You're listening to the private podcast for The Matrix with Amber Smith. Oh no, what are we going to do? Yeah, so I've just been using MailChimp and before I just used Gmail. Um, So yeah, I haven't decided what, what which one I'm going to like actually invest in when I do invest. Yeah. Honestly, I would use MailChimp for a long time until uh-huh. it makes sense. Cause like I use Kajabi, but it's, I only use Kajabi because I have other things that I use it for. I wouldn't pay for like Kajabi just for my email. Um, and one of the things that I was going to mention for sure is like when I was new, I didn't pay, I think I paid for, or I didn't pay for MailChimp, but I use mail. I got actually, I didn't use MailChimp. I use MailerLite, which is a free thing. But what I learned, and I, I think I got this like from the book, the prosperous coach, it was like using email in a different way. And I did want to say that because when we think about our email list, it's like a broadcast, right? Like we're like, this is what I think. These are my thoughts. Like this is what is going on in my brain. But I think another way to use email is like just serving people who you actually know. And Lonnie, I know that you use that. Like, like you said, you use Gmail and it's more of like a conversation, more friend, like more non-professional. And I think that that's super underrated. So I did want to say that because I didn't want to be like so professional for the email list because I don't think that that's necessarily helpful. And so if you're listening either right now, you, (laughs) or if you're listening (laughs) to the replay, like it doesn't like, this isn't a go ahead to like judge how you, how you use your email list. Cause I know I've talked to a few of the people in the matrix, like, I'm like, I only have like five people. I'm like, yeah, like that's fine. These are real humans. And we're going to talk about all of that today. Okay. Um, there is no right way to do email marketing. <laughs> I know everyone wants the right way. When I was um, new, especially like I always wanted to look for like the secret single textbook way from my mentors and gurus that I followed, like, okay, tell me how to email market. And that wasn't really helpful because I stopped being creative. I also stopped sounding like myself and I'm still honestly working on this. Like, how would I say this? And so I kind of want to put your student mode down, even though like this is like me teaching, like this isn't really like, this is the right way. This is more of like, here's how you might think about it. Does this serve you? Does this help you? Does this get you in the act of like serving your people? Um, How do you use email? This was really important for me. I, I still use this as a way to kind of filter out, like, is this going to work for me? Because we are consumers as well as like creators, right? And so one of the best ways to help you understand the nuances of how you want to create is to notice how you consume, right? Why did you open the email? Like we like kind of doing like the meta on yourself, like how are you going to analyze yourself? It can inform how you're going to write. So like when you open an email, ask yourself, why did I open this? What was interesting about this? What caught your eye? The next one, do you skim emails or do you read every word? I am a notorious skimmer. So what this allows me to do is when I'm creating emails, I'm not attached. I'm not so worried that like the person's going to read every single word and be obsessed with like everything I say, right? Some people do, but I'm in general, I can let go a little bit. I can loosen my grip because I skim emails. So I assume a lot of my people will skim the email as well. 
Does it matter who sent you the email? This is a big one too, is like the context, right? If I get a stranger emailing me, or maybe like it's someone that I opted in for their freebie two years ago, and this this email happens to get through spam and now it's in my regular inbox. And I'm like, who is this? Right. I'm my guard is up. I'm like assuming she's going to sell me something. I haven't been listening to her podcast or whatever. Like she feels like a stranger. I usually unsubscribe. Right. And so it matters who sent me the email. So I think through that for my people, like it matters that we have a relationship, which is what we talked about in the past few weeks. It's like, Content is step two for most, for most coaches, especially it's like, this is the second phase of our relationship. You found me somewhere else. This is where I nurture it. If it feels like I'm a stranger, you're probably not going to click anything or you're going to unsubscribe. The next question, do you like long emails or short emails? I think in our mind, a lot of people think it has to be long because that's what we see a lot. But do you like reading long emails? I like reading long emails. I got a pedicure yesterday. No, not yesterday. On Saturday, my daughter went to a birthday party. I was like getting my my pedicure and I found the emails that I wanted to read. And I was very invested. And I read a, like a very, very long email from Danco, right? It was super long. And so I feel comfortable sending long emails, but some people don't like reading long emails. And so I'd be curious, do you even want to send long emails? Um, do you like having pictures in, in the emails or not? What links do you click, right? Starting to observe yourself as the consumer can help really, really help you like form your ideas about how you actually want to create them because there's no right or wrong. I want to set the scene for you because this is what's happening, right? I put like a, a lot of random scenarios. Your clients are opening your emails on their phone mostly, right? Data shows us a lot of people are opening the, their emails on their phone. So they're watching Netflix. I put this lady on the couch. They're like doing nothing, right? They are on the treadmill at the gym, reading their email. They have kids. They're at dinner. I'm. Do we agree that they should be opening their email at these times? Like, no, but like, this is what we're up against, right? We're up against people living their life, their full life. And we get in our head about like, oh, they don't like my email. Oh, it wasn't valuable enough. They didn't click it. It's like, no, they might've just been like walking on the treadmill. They're like, oh, like I need to respond to this later. And then they forget. Or they were watching Netflix and they're like, oh, like the show got good. And they stop reading your email. We don't know what's going on in their world, but we take on the drama, right? Like we create and produce the drama of like all the things that we think we're doing wrong. And I don't think that's helpful. Um, Cause one of the reasons that we like email is that we know it's going to their inbox, right? Like, I think you've probably heard people like Amy Porterfield and Jenna Kutcher and all these people are like, email is a list that you own. And I agree with that, but I think we can spin out thinking that there's like this like formulated right way of doing things instead of recognizing like our people are really human and they have a lot going on. And it's okay if they don't read every single one of your emails. It's okay if they don't click the link. It's okay if they unsubscribe, right? They have a life. And that's one, what we're up against. But two, I think for me, it gives me a little bit of grace. Like, yeah, that email didn't perform as well as I thought. They're probably busy, <laughs> right? They probably have a life. Um, and so for me, I'm always trying to think through like, how can I, Lonnie, I love that you're on, like we talk about this, you and I like control the controllable, right? How can I do my best to make the email intriguing? How can I do my best to create an email that like they want to read where I'm not boring them where they're actually interested in what I have to say, where it hooks their attention. I do want to do my best, right? It's not like, well, it doesn't matter. They're eating dinner and being busy with their kids. It's like, no, like, how can I do my best so that if 
they do open it or if they see my name, they want to read it because I believe in what I'm doing, right? It, it comes from my belief that like this is helpful for them. Other things to remember is that you have good intentions. I think a lot of us forget that like we are not spamming people. We're not here to try to hurt people or take their money or manipulate them. And so it, your emails are good. People who resonate with your work and are intrigued by what you do will open it and read it. And if you're if it's a special day, they're gonna click. Just so you know, click rates are pretty low, right? We it's not like 50 people opened my email, 50 people clicked. It's like 50 people opened my email, two people clicked. That's very normal. Then there's this other group of people, people who either won't open it at all or they'll open it and unsubscribe. Both are fine because you are this person depending on who's emailing you, right? Um, we unsubscribe from emails and that's that's great. It's good that we know that they're not your person. The next thing I want you to remember is that these are real humans. I told you, I set the scene for you. Like they have a lot going on. We get in our head, but we don't, there's no reason to because they have their human life going on and that's perfect too. The next thing that you know I'm gonna drive home is that invitations are forms of service. What you have to offer is good for the world. Like truly it is okay to, to put an invitation out into the world and for people not to take you up on it, that's normal. You just keep inviting because maybe something in their life changes or maybe they create the money where they want to do it now. Something gets more intense for them. So they want your support. Like there's so many different reasons that we keep showing up and keep inviting because our timeline isn't necessarily our client's timeline. And when the time is right for them, that invitation is really going to resonate. Best practices. I'm just going to, I share this framework a lot. I learned it from Russell Brunson. I almost put a big picture of Russell Brunson on the left side of this because <laughs> I love him. And I learned so much about email marketing from him. There's a great book called Dotcom Secrets if you want to go deep, but I'm just going to share some of the basic things that he taught me and how I've implemented them. The hook story offer framework. I use this. You can see it when I'm selling. I use this pretty much everywhere in my emails, on my podcasts, on my posts, in like just everywhere that there's copywriting, I use hook story offer. And that's all I need to remember. That's all I think you need to remember. Hook for the purpose of an email. That's like your headline because truth be told, a lot of people are going to see your email and not open it. They're just going to swipe and archive or swipe and delete. And that's what we're up against. And so you want to make it intriguing enough that they're like, huh, what is that? I think that the best thing you can do, like I say in my little parentheses, get inspiration from the emails you tend to open. Why did you open the email you just opened? My guess is, is the, head, the headline or the subject line was interesting to you, right? Like what, what is the answer to that question? Or like they didn't have their pants on and they were giving a presentation, right? Like something crazy was happening and they got your attention. That's what we want to do for our emails as well. Then the story, it doesn't have to be a story. Although like we talked about, I think stories are fascinating and that's what I like to read and then lace it with lessons, right? What interesting thing is happening in your world that you can tie to a lesson? What would be helpful for your audience? And then the next distinction I'm going to make is something I learned from Russell Brunson again. He calls it soap opera versus Seinfeld emails. Soap opera, I would I would like correlate with like a launch, right? It's building, it's specific, it's very um, formulated, right? Like you're talking about certain things for the week the, that your launch is open. Then there's this other type of email and you've probably read both. It's like, he calls it the Seinfeld because Seinfeld is a show about nothing, right? 
it seems like it's about nothing, but there's value there. So an example of this would be like, hey, my daughter came home from first grade, this, if I was using the example, and she told me about how she's learning something in Australia. And that reminded me of this thing I learned in this book and how we can apply it to our coaching businesses, right? That's a Seinfeld email where it's not like anything specific. It's just kind of random from my life, but I'm lacing in the lesson. That's a valuable email. And I think um, like rotating through soap opera versus Seinfeld emails works for me. If that is not helpful to you, toss it. Like I say all the time, if it's not helpful, if it's not a service, get rid of it. Um, But for me, it's helpful to think like, it's okay to not have some grand thing to write about in my email. It can be basic and simple, laced with a lesson, and I can send it as an email to my people. The offer, what is the next step you want them to take? Sometimes your offer is going to be like, share this with a friend. (laughs) Sometimes it's going to be, click the link to book a consult. Sometimes it's going to be, reply to this email if you want to talk about working together. I think it's just good practice to have an offer in your email so that they can take the next step if they want to. It can be even like, check out my latest podcast that I you know, released last week here. It can be for this you know, email to a friend. It can be reach out to me if you have questions, but something that it's like, I'm here for you. I like to make offers from that place where it's like, even if it's not like buy this expensive thing right now, it can be like, hey, I have more that we can do together. I want to serve you because I know I remember this one time I got an email from someone and I loved the email and I didn't know what else to do. And I wanted to do something. I'm like, well, how do I find you? Like, what else is there? Do you have a book? Do you have a podcast? Can I like, you know, are you on YouTube? Like I wanted more and there wasn't that offer. And I'm like, this is a great example that like your people actually want you to make the offer because they actually want your stuff. And that's helpful to remember. We think we're like, you know, pulling them along, dragging them like, oh, please listen to my stuff. But it's like, if they resonate with you, they want more. And so make the offer, hook, story, offer. The next thing, the quick check. And this is all I'm going to say before I open it up. How would you actually say this? Sometimes, and sometimes I'm on some of your guys' email lists. (laughs) And sometimes I'm like, this isn't how they would actually say this. If they were talking to a friend or if they were just like shooting the breeze with someone that they know, we tend to go very professional and that that's probably from our fear or something that we you know picked up along the way that like if we are in a career we need to be very professional and i think there's times and places for that but in general we want our people to feel how we would really say something and so a quick check after you you know you've written your first draft or whatever you're like is this how i would actually say this or is this like me being smart this is something that I constantly am working on because I think I tend to sound like almost like a professor when I say things and I'm like okay but I don't actually sound like a professor when I'm talking to my friend or when I'm talking to a real client how would I actually say this next truth tough love question is this boring and sometimes the answer is yes and that's okay how can we spice things up how we can make it more intriguing and interesting because that's we are fighting the battle of attention So if it's boring, how can we make it better? The next question that I I have been recently thinking through, because I realized I assume my people read all my emails and that's not true. Sometimes they haven't read my emails in months. And so sometimes we'll write an email, assuming that they've read the other emails. Maybe you're in a launch and you assume that they've seen everything there is to know about the details of your offer or about, you know, why now? And they that's a error because a lot of people will jump in to your email 
not re have being like being caught up on your other emails. And so sometimes this is where we can put links, you know, to um, a sales page where they can read more. You can share more details, even though you feel like you've said it a bajillion times, you say it one more time because you can't assume they read your last email. They might not even remember who you really are, <laughs> depending on how they're finding your email list, right? And so don't assume anything. In fact, I think the less you assume, the better so that they can really get to know you and the details. And even if let's say they have read all your emails, they probably still don't know all the details. So share it one more time, share what you're doing and why this matters for them one more time, AKA every time you write an email, don't take that as um, a per your permission to spin out or like that you're freaking out about <laughs> your next email that you're going to write. I think it's just good to bring it to awareness. Even that awareness will make it a little bit clearer in the future. And then the next, last question I have is, am I making it clear what the next step is? You know, is it clear that they should book a consult with you? Is it clear that they should talk to you about coaching? Is it clear that they should buy a product that you're selling? Do you have a masterclass coming up? Like what is the next step? Make it very clear. Cause like I said, we can't assume that they know what you're talking about. So I think making it abundantly clear, click here to access my free masterclass, click here to register for my upcoming masterclass, click here to book a consult coaching call with me, right? Something obvious. Um, and that's just, like I said, I don't want you to like canonize this where it's like uh, you're obsessed with getting everything that I said in this little lesson, right? This is more of a way of thinking like one, you can do it your way. If you, if you write short and that's, that's okay. You don't need to make it long for being long's sake, right? Just because quote, like Amy Porterfield made it long, right? We can do it the way that is true to us. And like, it's like be you plus a little elevated, right? Can you say it a little bit more interesting? Can you use the tools of copywriting hook story offer to make it more appealing to them to keep their attention longer? Um, can you constantly improve, not from a place of scarcity or lack, not from trying to fix something, but from trying to create something so that email becomes a place where you can actually get clients? Um, I said this on, let's see, let's stop share. Um, I said this in, I can't remember what day I said this, but basically I feel like content is step two because primarily I want to be having conversations with people, but if email can lead to a conversation, right. Where someone books a call or respond, like replies. Now we're having a conversation. If someone replies to my email, we can have a conversation. If someone books a call, we can have a conversation. Email is not the end all, especially if you are a service provider where you were working one-on-one -on -one with people. Um, I feel like getting in conversations is a very underrated way of doing business. And so I see email as like nurturing a relationship not this like mass produced thing. Um, and I'm careful that I don't compare my little business to someone like, I mean, even like the life coach school, Tony Robbins, Brendan Burchard, these people with massive, massive lists where it is like a big broadcast. They're not going to talk to me personally. If I responded to their email, it's not like Tony Robbins is going to hop on a call with me to talk about joining his program, right? But I know if my client responds, I could jump on a call with her to talk about what's next. And so I'm always keeping that in mind. I don't try to model always these huge email people with huge email lists because that's not necessarily relevant to me. And so I want you to think through all of these things is like what's relevant to the size of my list and the size of my business um, because that's what's going to move the needle for me. Aubin's coming. That's so fun. Hi, Aubin.
Um, and so I think for me, it's like, okay, my email list approach has to make sense for my current audience and the current number of people that I even have. Right. Hi, Abin. So I was just talking about, um, the difference between like the life coach school, Tony Robbins, all these like people with massive email lists versus like my business, which is like, I work one-on-one with people. I have small groups. I want conversations. I don't, and I don't need this like big broadcast, right? Like I'm interested in actually engaging with the real humans. So um, anyway, you can catch, I shared some slides, but you can catch that on the replay. I, Cause I want to spend most of my time like innovating, creating with you guys about your actual audience, your actual content. So do you have anything that you want to bring? You're in a launch. Do you want to talk about it? Oh yeah, that's Robin Hurst. Yeah, in Let's context of anything else with the launch. Yeah, well, like any anything. It doesn't have to be email list. That's what I was talking okay. about, but yeah. it doesn't have to be. Okay. Um. Yeah. So sorry, like I'm in the middle and not oh, really know okay. exactly what you're talking that's okay. about, but um. I was sending you the boxers about it and I loved your comment. Like, well, what are you thinking and feeling? And I was like, well, yeah, I did that already, but what's my strategy? <laughs> yeah. And it was a good call out. So I thought about it a little harder and was, it was good. And then I think it kind of was what we coached about last week about like, I want to make sure I'm doing it right. I want to fix anything. I want to, but I want to learn too. And so we're the balance yes. of that. Yeah. I think the difference that the distinction that we made is we're not trying to fix something. We're trying to create, we're trying to be a more powerful creator. Um, so what's coming to mind? Like, what do you want to create now that we're trying to fix your strategy or anything? Yeah. Well, I want to create, um, a good experience for people and I want to make it, um, I want to make it fun even to do the marketing for this experience. So not yeah. just like, Sometimes I get so focused on the end result of how many people will come to the masterclass that I don't have any fun talking to people and contacting. And I, when I said that, like, that was the first emotion that came that I really want to feel with this experience is just having fun, trying new ways of marketing yeah. the masterclass, which is the first time I've ever done one. And is it going to be perfect? Of course not. And I wasn't aiming for perfect, but I did start to get a little like, okay, Amber, tell me what to do. And I just, yes. when you said, well, what you feel create an aligned strategy for you. I was like, well, <laughs> You're like, that's not what I want. <laughs> uh, so I want, I'm a checklist person. And so I think I was kind of asking like, okay, here's the 10 things I'm doing. Is there anything else that I need to add to my list? Mm -hmm. Which is so funny. Cause when you shared your list with me, I'm like, you're doing enough. That's why I was curious how you want to think and feel because it's like, that's plenty. It, you're, you're meeting all the checks, mm -hmm. but I don't think you started your business just for checks. Like, I mean, no. checks, like making money. Yes. But like, you know what I mean? Like, okay. I did no. my checklist. Yeah. I think I wanted, um, I wanted external validation. It was enough probably from my coach. <laughs> that's, well, that's done launches that have worked. So I was saying, is this enough yeah. to do the launch? Like so that? I think strategy, especially asking for people who have done it lots of times, it's like more of like a nuance. Mm -hmm. 
Like, um, even when I asked my coach, Sam, it's like, she's done more launches than me, more successful launches. And it's interesting. Cause she's like, this is good. And I'm like, no, no, no. Like, kind of like you, like, no, like, tell me like what's missing. And she's like, nothing is missing. You need to get the data basically. And so yeah. me, and like, it's funny, like, cause I'm like, yeah, like this is what I would do for my clients. Like you need the data yourself because your client is not my client, right? If they're, if they were my client, they're going to be in my program. But mm-hmm. and they might overlap, but we're really interested in your brain speaking to your people in the right mm-hmm. way, in, in the right way, in your way, in your unique in way. The right way. Yeah, the yeah. right way. Yeah. Toss that X. Never mind. <laughs> Scratch that in Aubin's way. So we're, I'm doing all the things of strategy, but I'm trying to gather like the way I communicate with the people I'm trying to help what works. And this is yeah. the first time I've done it. So this is good. I love the word experiment to yeah. see how it works and not that experiment sounds fun. Cause it's like, Oh, this is my hypothesis. And let's yes. see. Let's see. And, yeah. And, um, and it takes pressure off. Cause I'm not expecting like, I have to get 20 people in this or I fail. It's just like, yes. let's see. And I am coaching someone right now who did all the strategy her old coach told her to do. And she was successful. And it, and it slayed her, like it t- completely messed with her mind. Cause then she's like, wait, like, that's not even how I want to do it. Do I know how to do it? Was it my coach that did it? And I see the repercussions of that, of like not trusting herself to make money. And I don't want to recreate that with you or with anyone, you know, I really mm-hmm. want to give you one, you can do this without me. I really believe that, you know how I know that? Because like, it's not like this secret thing that only I know you can Google things like the strategy itself exists with or without me, but your unique take on it, your, what's true for you, the words that you're going to speak. Like I want to bring that out of you so that you know how to do it yourself. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And what comes to me too, is like strategy. Let's say it's like a cup, like this, it's like strategy. I'm interested in filling it with like soulfulness, like Aubin's soulfulness mm-hmm. instead of this hollow, like I am obeying the strategy that was taught to me versus like, no, yeah. I really believe in this. I really believe you can sell. Cause I know your masterclass. I really believe you can sell without feeling salesy. That will change your whole business. Like, yeah. right. Don't you believe that? That's why you're, you want to teach it. Yeah, no. And I've coached people on it before I've talked yeah. about it. I love it. And I made a podcast episode about it. Like it's been fun to just talk to people, but then I can easily shift or like fall back into like, but how do I make it work? And then instead of just feel, it feels, I think this has been coming up a lot with you in our coaching is it feels too easy. Yes. It feels too easy, which is why you took this career. (laughs) No, I did not pick this career because it was easy. It's your zone of genius, I guess, is more what I was pointing to. You okay, okay, there you go. Comes but I'm like, to you. yes, yes. But then I think I've been challenging it the whole time. Like, it has to be hard. I have to be doing it. Yeah. If it's easy, I'm not doing it right, is like a thought I've found. And so probably I've done everything. I give you the list, and I want you to tell me what else to do, because it has to be something I'm not doing. There's there's some there more- must be something missing. Yeah. Yeah. There must be something else I can do, which like comes, I think from our culture a lot, like hard work, create success. 
And I, well, I'm not like against that. I also know it's not the only thing that creates success, especially for entrepreneurs, right? Where we are asked to just think differently about success, about money, about what's possible. Yeah. Um, and that's, I feel like you're right on the edge of what you're learning about that right now for yourself. Yeah. And so I'm doing everything, but the thing I'm not, I think the biggest thing that you kind of said in that boxer was like, what are you feeling? What are you believing? Are you focusing on that and showing up with that energy as you're doing those things? Cause that's mm-hmm. going to be a different experience. And like, if I pause and think about what I'm doing, I'm like, that is so fun. That is awesome. That I'm like, helping people not be feel salesy and I yeah and for a low ticket fun thing yeah and it's not there's no pressure I don't like I don't need this in my business this really is just to like get to know people more and help people get to know me in an easy way (laughs) easy so why not have fun and make it easy and and ironically that's like where your best sales will come from because you're not attached it doesn't you're not really making it mean anything you can do the same thing, the same pattern for one-on-one for a high ticket. Yeah. What? It could be easy. I, I know. Because <laughs> this is the thing that's challenging my mind. This came up in Miracle Mind a couple of weeks back and Kim was the one that said it to me. But um, I, I have a goal to have two more clients before the year is over. And I'm like, I wish I could have two more clients before I do this because then this would just be fun. And she said, why not just have fun doing this? Yeah just like the two clients will come just have fun doing this right and in my mind's like nope I shouldn't be doing anything fun until I've reached my goal yeah so it's like um which is weird it's just funny because like I know if someone told you that that it was like your client you'd be like what (laughs) you would like totally rip them (laughs) yeah it's easier objectively than when you're totally. like, we're, instead of being in our own head, which is why we get coaching, right? Because um, yeah. we are in our own heads and that's our, that is our limit. Yes. Because I had a successful year, whether, whether I have two more clients or not. Right. Well, and like, are you really going to be mad if two clients reach out to you on January 1st and they're like, right. Like, oh we my gosh, my, yeah, I, know. Yeah, I can't, you know, you didn't meet my goal. Like you didn't come when I wanted you to come. So, <laughs> but if I shut down because it's the end of the year and I have people aren't going to be talking to me because I'm going to have that energy. Right. Yeah. I remember. So I don't know if you remember one of the coaching that I, I gave Colette when she was in the matrix. Um, she was like, well, I'm going to believe until it works. And, and by like through the 12th hour or whatever, and for yeah. her, that was like the end of the launch. And then she private messaged me and she's like, I get it what you're saying. It's not like until the end of the launch. It's like until you get the result that you want. I'm like, yes. Like, yeah. yes, believe through the launch, but also like, don't just stop believing. Like you keep doing it. When I first set out to make hundred K, I did not make hundred K. I don't remember what I made. I should know my numbers and I don't. And then I stopped worrying like, oh, like I see what the, she means. I mean, it was Amanda Francis. Like, it's not like until it's like this year, I'm going to make hundred K. It's like the belief, like I will make hundred K as a coach in my lifetime. And ironically, I made it very fast after I calibrated to that belief. I started on a year, like this year, this pressure filled fear-based like action. Like I have to make hundred K in this calendar year versus like in my lifetime, 
I know I will make 100K in a 12-month period. And when it happened, it happened so fast and so easy, Aubin, that it was almost mind-blowing. Like, I was like, oh, like, I get it. And um, that's how I mostly operate with my goals now. It's like, I'm not going to be attached to like this specific timeline. Um, Not that I don't strive for it or like focus on it. Like, it'd be great if I made this much in the next three months, because I think that that's important. It it sets your sights on something specific. You can take action, but I'm not attached to it, if that makes sense. Right. No, I teach the same thing. So I totally. (laughs) We have to take our medicine. Yeah. And I do, but I think the biggest thing holding me back is the easy part. Yep. Like it can't be easy or what, or it won't work. I, I, um, because when I'm in the motion, like I don't have the evidence yet. I don't have the results yet. If it's easy, then I'm not trying hard enough. I don't believe in it enough. I'm not giving a hundred percent is what my mind thinks. Yeah, that's very interesting. Is that even true? Is that true? Um, If you're all in, it can't be easy. (laughs) No, that's not true. You have to. I know your logical mind agrees with that. Yeah. But what, what's the story of your life that makes you believe otherwise? Hmm. Yeah, there's lots of history probably there. Mm-hmm. Um, people have called me determined a lot in my life because I've always been like, if I want something, I get it. And I work hard to get it. Mm-hmm. And it, I've like labeled it as like, it wasn't easy, but I worked for it and it got what I wanted. So what yeah. do you think about people where it is easy for them? Ooh, when it's easy for people, I resent them. Yeah. <laughs> it can't be that easy. Yeah. That's what are your fair. beliefs about it? That's not fair. fair. Yeah. <laughs> no wonder you, you don't want it to be easy because you're a good person. You don't want anyone to feel that way about you. Yes. The mirror there of like, I don't want to be judged the way I judge other people. Yeah. Like I worked for this. Yeah. I deserve this because I worked hard for it. Yeah. What if I told you, see, I might poke a little bit. The last like four one-on-one clients I signed, they reached out to me. They sent me a DM. They said they're ready to roll. I sent them a link and they paid and two of them paid in full. It was very easy. Does that bother you? Like, am I judging you? Like it bothers you? Yeah. You can be honest. (laughs) (laughs) Um, no, I think you've worked hard to be there because I know it didn't, they didn't just do that because you've made one post. It's been a lot of relationship yes. building. And so in my mind, you did work hard for that easy end. Mm-hmm. This is why you have to know what season you're in, right? I know you've worked hard. I've seen it. I've been your coach for a while and I've seen you be emotional about your business. I've seen you tried things that failed. I've seen you get coaching time and time again. I see you show up on these calls. Is it really easy or have you worked for it? And now you're writing momentum. Mm -hmm. It's all hard as a very subjective. It's complex. Yeah. It's not like this hard and easy easy are. (laughs) 
Yes. I'm making them like black and white opposites. Black and white black. opposites. Yes. Yeah, Instead of, not. Part of part of this is hard and part of this is easy. I think probably what resonates with your clients too is like when you get to a certain level of success, you know what's hard? Not not working when you don't need to. Like letting go. That's hard, but it like looks easy. Like what's actually what you actually have to do is like go sit on the couch and relax. And that feels hard. Right. Yeah. It's like all of these definitions are not black and white. Yeah. But like, I wouldn't say, even if this launch goes according to plan and you get as many people as you want and it feels effortless, it's th this is a piggyback on all the hard work you've done your whole career. Yeah. So is it really easy? Kind of fun to play with. That, that I like that because it's like what you kind of gain with having done it for a while of like you've been working hard in that you've done it for time and there have been hard moments and you kept going but then you do build momentum where it's like I can just show up and do the things I know how to do because I've learned with it each like I don't think emails are hard anymore. I don't think podcasting is hard anymore. I don't think posting on social media is hard anymore, but it used to be. Yes. And I can do those things pretty effortless now. Yes. And it's not that hard. And now you're getting the nuance that we hear said, but people don't really get it where entrepreneurs get paid for the value they create, not the time, not the effort. Time and effort are still required, but that's not what we get paid for. And so it's interesting is you put in time and effort over an extended period of time, and now your value will create money for you and clients for you. And it can feel easy only because you put in time and effort. Mm -hmm. When I wasn't necessarily making much money and it wasn't working. Yeah. Yeah. But this is why I feel like there's this threshold for people and for people who are going to listen to this replay. I think it's really important for people to understand there is a threshold. I feel like it's a beautiful place when you cross it. It feels really crappy before you cross it, where it's like you're building the momentum required. It can feel like nothing's working. And then once you cross the threshold to maintain it, it actually needs a lot less effort. <laughs> you're maintaining the momentum, not generating it. And that's when it gets to feel easy, but it wasn't easy because you had to generate all the momentum in the past. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, and so it's interesting, like just watching our minds make it, we always are looking for like, what's wrong, including why is this so easy? It wasn't easy in the past. Something must be wrong. Where it's like, no, like you, you're in a different phase. Yeah. yeah. And I've learned from it. Like, I remember when I started my email, list, kind of on your subject. Like I just sat there and was avoiding it, like to just write my first email and I was avoiding it. And I would like watch TV and I'm like, what am I doing? <laughs> just yeah. writing an email. Where now I love writing my emails. That's one of my favorite things to do. And I learned from that when I started my podcast and the time lapse of like feeling yeah. uncomfortable and it being hard was so much faster because I remembered how I did it with starting an email list. And it was yes. so fun. So good. Even though there was some uncomfortable moments and it was awkward learning things. I just, I was like, no, I remember how it was with the email. I'm not going to waste time watching TV again to feel better. And I went with it and now I'm already like in the flow with it. And I just love it. Yeah, so I feel it's so it's easy. We have an I, example. Yeah, <laughs> this is like the cycle. Have you seen this before? I'm sure you've heard it at least talked about. 
Uh So like when you are a nurse, for example, to use you as a very specific example, you had unconscious incompetence in running an entrepreneurial business. You didn't even know what you didn't know, right? I have unconscious incompetence about being an astronaut. I don't even know what I, I literally could not even tell you what I don't know, right? Like it's unconscious. If I started studying to be an astronaut, I would become very aware of all my incompetence. It's conscious now. And this is what, like, I'm going to show you what, like, so then it's like, oh, I need a certain email list. This feels really hard. This is where things feel hard. Because mm-hmm, we know what we want to know, but we don't know it. Yes. It's like, it feels impossible. It's like, oh my gosh, I have to start an email list. Oh my gosh. What do I even say? I'm going to sound dumb, right? Like all the, all our thoughts. And then it's, and then it's conscious competence. Right. Where it's like, oh, you know, like I could, I could probably do this. It takes some effort, right? Effort. (laughs) Like that's where it really feels like, okay, I'm going to sit down and write an email. It's not going to be great, but like, I can do this. I can use the tools that I've learned. I've taken a course maybe. And this is the ideal. It's like, I don't have to think about it. Right. Me, mm-hmm. like I, I think about me for content. That's where it feels easy. Easy. Exactly. But you know how you got to that point? Lots of hard work. <laughs> yes. And I'm not giving myself any credit not for that. Credit. But that's a theme for you and Lonnie. So I'm glad Lonnie's this call is like, <laughs> um, you both of you really struggle. Like it makes me a little emotional because I know both of you really well. Like you really struggle to shine a light on what you do really well. Or to show, like, even be like, I worked really hard on this. I deserve some praise for myself. Like, you both really don't do that for yourself. When it's funny because you're like, oh, it feels easy. But you like the the buildup, right? Of like, how many months have you been in business now? I mean, I I remember coaching you on like leaving nursing. Like, I feel like you've made lots of hard decisions for a long time. Yeah. I officially started having clients in the summer of 2020. So you've been, you've been doing, Lonnie's doing this emoji. (laughs) Um, Like you've been doing this for a long time. You've been building your skill set. Like I think about our kids are such powerful, um, like mirrors. I watched Lainey, my two-year-old, she's like learning how to do a lot of skills. And a lot of it is like conscious incompetence, right? She's not good at it and she knows it and it's hard and it's frustrating. Um, but I know, and then some things she's like in conscious competence where she can do it if she focuses, like eating with a spoon is one of the examples that I have. Like she can, if she focuses, she can eat with a spoon, but it's not unconscious like me, right? Like I don't have to, I'm not like, okay, grab the spoon, scoop it up, keep it level while I put it in my mouth. Like I'm not thinking that, right? But what's interesting is this is where I feel like entrepreneurs in conscious competence, this is where all the judgment is, Right. Cause we're not, it's not unconscious. We have to think about it. We have to try. It takes a long time to create posts or whatever. And then you're judging people who have done it longer, who don't have to think about it as much for their unconscious competence. And that's not fair because you are literally, all you have to do is keep going and you'll get there too. Yeah. You don't need to judge it. Yeah. Don't judge myself. Yeah. For, for where you are like in conscious competence or even in conscious incompetence when you know you're not good at something for, and this isn't just for you. This is for people who are going to watch the replay or listen to this. Right. Um, 
I'm finding side note that like a lot of people listen to the podcast that don't come to the calls. I was like, okay, that's interesting to know. So if you're listening right now, I see you. <laughs> um, anyway, like, I think for me, like, that's really helpful. Cause like, what's interesting is it's a cycle, right? So like to use this as an example, like I'm working on different, like one-on-one clients are come very easy to me. Like that is like unconscious competence for me. But I know for a lot of my clients, it feels like this, like they don't feel good at it, right? So if they judge themselves against me, that only causes them pain. But it's funny because like I'm, I feel like I'm in conscious incompetence for scaling, right? I'm like judging myself against my coach or other people who have figured it out. It's like, it never ends because if you're on the path of development and evolution, you always are choosing to put yourself in situations where you have to feel this the conscious incompetence where you know what you don't know or what you know, what you're not good at me. Lonnie, tell me more about that. Um, judgment. I bet it's about judgment. If I have to guess, (laughs) I can't hear you. (laughs) Sorry. I just dropped Ezra off. Um, I was saying me to the, how it's easy for you to sign one-on-one clients. And then there's me who's just like, uh, why can I not sign clients? (laughs) And that's not a problem. You're just in this phase where it's like, you're learning the skills, you're learning the ways of being to make it easy. But I bet you have judgment. Like this shouldn't be happening. Yeah. (laughs) Which is funny because like, if you go back, rewind the tape, I felt that too. I'm like, I don't know what to do. Um, Coaching might be a scam. Yeah. I had those thoughts. I'm like, coaching might be a scam. And I'm not sure if I believe (laughs) like I don't know if I'm good enough I don't know how to talk to people right like I I would like default to like don't worry about it like you don't need to hire me that was my default like I was scared to lead people to a one-on-one relationship um yeah so I've been there but I just didn't give up and I got coaching and I kept doing it until it felt very normal which is exactly the work that you're doing and to to kind of tie it all together for you both like it will feel easy at some point. It doesn't feel that way right now, but I promise if you keep doing it, it will. And this has been so interesting because like, usually you think we want easy and I don't. Yeah, it feels uncomfortable. Cause then I'm like, I'm doing it wrong. If it's easy, it can't be and easy. I know that you have a little bit of a story. I don't know how strong that story is, but like, that's where a lot of like your feelings of worthiness come from. Like, look how hard I worked. Look how determined I was. It's like a trait yeah. to be proud of. Yeah. So if I take that away from you, then who are you? Right. And it, that's one of those things where I'm like, I've come to, I think I've come to this place of, unconditional love for myself and then if I take away the hard work I'm like no I'm worthless (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's scary and what's funny is it's not that you're not working you're still writing posts you're still creating content you're still writing emails you're still coaching your clients you're working it's just the experience of the work changes it feels effortless and this is this is actually really good because I have good news. I have a nanny coming today for the first Yay! time this weekend. She babysat all of them. We're going to start nannying today. Oh, and part of my mind is tripping like, this will be too easy <laughs> because now I'll have dedicated time to get work done. And I'm like, 
my mind's like trying to find all these reasons why I shouldn't do it, even though I have it scheduled. And um... so I really like, I think you'd benefit from studying Rich Litvin's work because he works with high performers and he talks about how high performers always have this fear of being lazy because it's easy for them. And um, then what we have to be careful of, then we bring in the upper limit stuff. If we feel like things are too easy, we create scenarios where it can be difficult so that we can get that validation. It's like this awful cycle. Make it hard. So Make that- it hard. I've done this. This is called self-sabotage, right? Where yeah. it's like you do things that makes your business hard. And then all of a sudden you'll come and get coaching on something. And it's like, wait, like, why is this happening again? Or like, why are we back here? If, if we find ourselves in that scenario, cause I've done that before. Cause like, I feel one of my like personal experiences is like, I perform best with pressure. Like I will in like invest really big so that I have to create money when it's like, why did I like, why did I do this when I didn't have to, like, I didn't need that pressure, but I like it. It's from this cycle that we're talking about. I need it to feel hard. So I perform my best. That's not even true, but it's like this default programming. Mm-hmm. So now it's like, we shine a light on it for you, for all of us, truly. Now what? What do you want to be the story of this launch and for your business through the holidays? Well, like, okay, there's not much more I need to do other than oh. just talking about it this week, which is not hard. I talk in my stories all the time anyway. So now I just know what to talk about. And that sounds ridiculously easy. That's great. But that's what I can do. Yeah. So that's why I I asked you about thinking and feeling because that goes beyond what you're doing, right? You have to believe it's working when you take your kids to the park. You have to summon that belief and experience no matter if you're on your stories. It's okay for me to be doing fun stuff with my kids. Yes. And that's why I asked you that because like, I know that there's a lot more than that's important to you than just like getting on Instagram. It's like, also like, I want to believe it's working when I'm sitting down to Thanksgiving dinner this week. I want to not feel anxiety about not working or not checking my phone. Like I want to feel like it's working and trust that the action I took is enough. You're fine. You're fine. Talk to Lonnie for a second. Cause okay. just got to be here too yeah. early. Lonnie, come sit on the hot seat for a second. What's coming up? <laughs> So I feel like that was, um, I feel like that was perfect for me, what you just said to like, I guess both of us, but like, and you said it to me the other day too, like, oh, your business is working even though when, even when you're not. Mm-hmm. And that's like such like a mind block that I have because even last week on Monday when I had two consults and I had the matrix call and then I had like something else and Scott was home because he had his colonoscopy and I like didn't work like at all. Yep. And I felt like I I felt like I didn't work, but obviously I worked like I had consults and I like listened to this, which I would consider like helping my business. And it was just like, I feel like on days when I don't like do the certain things, like how you're talking about the checklists, like the checks that I like didn't work. And then I like have all this guilt about it. Yeah. I learned this from one of my coaches. She's like, you started an entrepreneurial business because you wanted freedom, but how often are you actually feeling free in your day? And I was like, shoot, like I got it backwards. Right. And so part of our work really is to not work sometimes because that is what, what we deem as successful is like, Uh I don't have to work all the time. I don't have to think about work all the time. That's why I wanted to be an entrepreneur. I was like, go get a job. 
If I wanted to work all the time, I would go get a job and I don't. So we like make our own cage. Mm -hmm. This is hard to integrate though. Right. Yeah. Then, like I was just, I just did this last week. I took a picture on my stories because like this is important. <laughs> I like sat right there and I read like two different books and I voxered and I just sat and sometimes I would read and sometimes I would just sit and like, I could feel the anxiety like rising in my chest. I'm like, I should be recording a podcast. Nope. You should be. Nope. Like I could like, it was like a battle of selves, right? Like our higher self and our lower self. My lower self wants to work because I have this story that that's how I'm going to be successful. Even though I'm like, I'm fine. I don't need to, to hustle. And so it's, it's just interesting to like watch our brains do what brains do, which is like, there's a problem and you need to know about it. <laughs> Even yeah, no, that's like, that's like me every single night when it's like nine o'clock and I'm like, okay, well I could probably like still be on Instagram, like talking to people like, or I could read my book. And so it's just like, or I could hang out with my husband or something. And I still am like, it's like pulling me. I'm like, ah. Yeah. And this is why I teach be, do, have, because it's so powerful to see. Am I working because I believe it's working or am I working because I have the fear that it's not working? Who am I being? Yeah. I'm taking yeah, action oh because I'm scared. I'm being the person that's it's not working versus I can go watch Netflix with Wesley because my business is working. And on like, ironically, that belief is what creates more results than me frantically trying to overcome my doubt yeah. or, or acting from my fear. Especially when I checked all the boxes right? This is what's interesting. Both of you, I know your boxes because we have the same ones. You can check your boxes in 15 minutes a day <laughs> for your business. Get on stories, reach out to people, make a post, invite people. But aside from like coaching, right? Maybe often with your podcast, it's a little bit longer sometimes, but for the most part, the actual work is not that much. And then we invent things because we're afraid or because we have these stories or we, you know, whatever. And then we invent things to do that aren't actually necessary to validate our story of hard work creates results. Um, what's coming up for you? I see you contemplating. Oh, it's not working is like my biggest thought I always have we've been coaching on it like for years like so okay. this is all interplaying there and with this it has to be hard to work and then it's not working and I loved when you said I'm working out of fear it's not working that's a lot of my work mm -hmm. that I create because I think if I'm relaxing then I I'm not making it work so I have to work but then why is why am I needing great work I'm fearing it's not working because I don't have the evidence that it's working yet. So I'm like, if I don't have console call schedule, if I don't have people saying yes, then it, I can't not work. But I love owning it is working. That's who I am. And when I um, signed with you for the Miracle Mind, I felt that huge shift in being the coach and mm -hmm. it worked. 
and I was getting more clients. Yeah. And then I've had so many no's and consoles lately. I feel like I'm shifting back down. Yep. One of the things that I know, I don't know if this is useful for you, but when I level up, I often go through a period of refinement where I get no's, where it looks like nothing's happening and mm-hmm. you get to make choices about what that, what you make that mean, right? Which I hope you don't make it mean anything. But to me, it helps strengthen my belief. I'm like, oh, I had the thought that this is all going to burn down. And now that's what I'm afraid of, right? It's like being shown to me that like, you're afraid of this burning down. You've got three no's in a row, <laughs> right? And then it's like, wait, that's not what I want to be true. What What is more true? My ideal client sitting watching me on Instagram right now. They're contemplating, thinking about working, right? We start literally redirecting our mind. And I think that's what you're doing right now is like redirecting your mind to what you want to create. Mm-hmm. And I think I've been making it mean there's something I need to fix, which we've been talking about. And, but how did it work a month ago when I was getting clients a lot? Nothing was different. I was actually getting better and getting more and more consult calls. And just because people said no, for them, that was what was right for them. And that's okay. There's nothing I need to fix. I just need to keep energy. Mm-hmm. And you. look what it introduced to you. You started creating a new offer. Like you innovated. You and I talked about having a group or a mastermind. You did, you're doing this masterclass. When I get no's on consults for 101, it actually allows me to create. I'm like, well, how else can I make money? Because I'm not a victim to my business. Neither are you. You're a powerful creator. You're not a victim to the nose. It's like, what else is available? I also think that nose are sometimes God's way of being like, this is not the person that you want to work with as much as we love them. And like, think we might, they might be the kind of client we want to work with. Sometimes it's protection. I, I have found that to be true. Not always, but sometimes we don't know what we, it would have been like. Maybe it wouldn't have been the dream. Yeah. And I wanted to point something out that you said that I think is important to be said that we don't drop the checklist. You still do the things. It's not like we're like, I don't need a checklist if that's what works for you. Like, it's like, you still do the things that work. It's not like, I just believe like that's, I don't want you to swing the other way. I think it's important to stay consistent and like meet, you know, meet new people post. So people know what you do, nurture relationships. Like, I think those things are always important, but also like turn your phone off and go have fun with your kids. Believe it's working while your phone is off. Do both. Yeah. Any other thoughts from you ladies? I feel like you guys on together is very interesting to me because I'm like, you both struggle with similar things like perfectionism, all or nothing thinking, judgment, always like, it's not good enough. Like that's your default, both of you. (laughs) It's very interesting. Yeah, (laughs) but you're like, yeah. (laughs) Happy. I think, I mean, this is part of why I do this for my own good is like, this has been my whole life. So it's like taking time to shift this stuff, but it's changing my whole life, not just my business. So I'm all in. Yep. 
it's interesting. I love business for business's sake, but also just like, it is like personal growth on steroids. Like you have to do the work or you burn out and you can't, you can't keep up with it. Mm-hmm. What comes to mind? Like what part of your life were you thinking of when you said that? Um, my calling, I've been really struggling with my calling. Yeah. I'm being like hardcore perfectionist. Are you Relief Society president? Do I remember that right? Yeah, that's a, that's a big calling. And I think in our culture, it's like very much like there's a right way to do it, at least from the outside. Mm-hmm. And um, and like I'm not enjoying it anymore. And so then it's it's all work and I'm not even... But yeah, so this stuff of like. Yeah, so what's the lesson that you're going to integrate there? Mm. Not. I mean, there's no right way for sure, and that. There is a handbook, there is a checklist, but they're right. not, but the energy behind it, what am I, why am I doing it, what, and I I am a little perfectionist about it, and like, I hang on to some tasks that I could delegate because I want them done right, mm-hmm. and I want to... I don't know. Just, it doesn't have to be hard. Maybe it's the biggest thing I should take. That's what I was going to say. And like, does it have to be hard? And what's interesting is this is where I think it gets really challenging is when the beliefs of like the group are that way. Like being a really society president is hard. That is the dominant belief in our culture. Yeah. And I didn't think it was hard at first. I like loved it when I probably for like the first six months and then things started to get stacked on me and new responsibilities came, new people moved into the ward. And then I was like, oh, now it's hard. And then I like embodied the cultural belief. It is hard. Oh, everyone else was right. That's what I started to think. Yeah. And I thought, oh, oh, I was just a newbie. I was excited. Now I get it. Now it is hard. Yeah. Which like, that might be true. It might be difficult. Like there might be points, like this is what's interesting is nothing is all one thing all the time. Or like I would say right now, being a Relief Society president is not hard in this moment because you're not being, you're not actively doing the things that your calling requires you're being coached about your business. So being a Relief Society president isn't hard right now. It's in Mm -hmm. specific moments that it feels difficult and it's important to turn our brain off and on depending on what's going on. That's how business is, right? My business does not have to feel hard when I'm out with my husband at dinner, but we do this. We bring it with us wherever we go instead of like 
telling ourselves the story of like, my business is going to be fine while I have this hour and a half dinner. Like it is not going to burn down. I do not need to carry it with me. Mm-hmm. Or like, if I get a no on a consult, it doesn't mean that I need to feel like my relationship with my kid is hard. Those are two different things. So when do you notice, like if you're being like really, um, what's the word? Like if you're going to observe when it's hard to be a Relief Society president, when is it actually difficult? Because I know there's times it actually truly is in that moment. Um, It's actually hard when I get a last minute notification of some yes. crisis and I have to like drop everything I'm doing and call all these people and try to work out how to help this person because I do care about them. I do want to help them, but it's hard when things like that happen. Totally. When are you making it hard when it's not actually hard? If you're honest with yourself. When people don't do things the way I want them to. Yeah. And then you're thinking about it and then it feels hard. Mm -hmm. Or things don't pan out how I would want or I ask people to do things and they disagree or that's just like leadership stuff that working with people and recognizing it is a group of people and opinions and still leading. Yep. And then now it's like, can you watch your thoughts? Cause like the other thing that we do to ourselves is like, we carry the thoughts around, but not the activities. Like, um, when my daughters were sick, this is really like apparent to me. I'm like, yeah, when they're puking, that sucks. But for the most part, when they're sick like this, we're just watching TV. That's not hard. But my thoughts about all of this make it exhausting. Does that make sense? It's like, yes, yeah. yes. I've, I've done that. I've like narrowed it down and been like, the actual things I do don't take that much time, but I say it's so time consuming because yes. I'm carrying the, the thoughts of it with mm-hmm. me. Like the word that comes to me is mental hygiene. Like. I really resonate with that word because it's like, oh, like I'm thinking about things that I don't need to think about right now. And it actually does no good for me to think about being a Relief Society president when I'm emptying the dishwasher with my (laughs) five-year-old, right? Like this is not serving me to be obsessed about this person doing her tasks wrong. It doesn't help me or her. I can put this down. Same for our business. Doesn't help me to think about the consults that were no's. And Doesn't help I've me kind of posts. done it before when like things have happened or people have done things that I didn't like. If I'm ruminating on it, that means that I am judging it and creating a problem that's not necessarily solvable or even like, because just thinking about it constantly doesn't do anything. Yeah. And so I've that's when I recognize I need to look at what I am thinking about it because just sitting there thinking about it all the time, not even do anything about it is just draining me and not serving me in any way. That is true for everything in life, but we're thinking beings, right? Like we live in our heads so much. This is why presence is so important is like getting out of your head and being present in your life. It can alleviate a lot of the suffering that's just self-inflicted. Mm-hmm. I really like Eckhart Tolle for this type of work because he's like what problems do you have right now man for the most part right mm-hmm. and it's like well this happened I was like well yeah that was a problem then but right now in this moment 
Do you have problems? Mm-mm. No. I can think of some that have come up today, but not in this moment. In this moment. Yeah. Like this is when we like breathe into our bellies and we feel our breath and like we feel the weight of us sitting where we're sitting, the tingle in our fingers. Like we are fine in this moment. And it's like, to me, I feel like, cause I, I have this like low key anxiety. I think we talked about this like right here. Like I feel like a rock right here. If I'm not conscious, like if I'm, if I get in my head because I have all these problems that I'm pontificating about, right. These problems that are in my mind, but not in this present experience of my life. And when I get present, that goes away. Cause I'm like, I don't have problems with my calling, with my kids, with my business in this moment, everything is fine. Truly. And that's where all our power lies. And then do we consciously decide what we want to think about? And I think that's a beautiful place to do that kind of work. Because you come to the present and then can say, what serves me to, I want to believe like, right. Like, what do I want to believe right now? That my business is working, that someone's deciding to reach out to me to join the matrix. Right. For you, it's like, my people are deciding to join the masterclass right now. They're like pulling up their credit card, getting ready to pay. They're excited. Why wouldn't you want to think about that? That's fun. Wouldn't it be fun if you got three people join on Thanksgiving day when you're not even working? Like those are the kinds of things that creativity, that imagination that I talk about. Like that's what I do all the time. I'm like, wouldn't it be cool if someone wanted to pay in full? And then all of a sudden that happens. Wouldn't it be cool if someone like left me a message while I was at my mastermind? that happened. Like I play in the imaginary because it's fun and it makes it my present moment feel better where I'm not like trying to fix something that is not broken. Mm -hmm. So play that way. If you can, if that's not available, do something else. I've been doing that just whenever I see the clock on the same number. Yeah. I love that. That's a great trigger. Yeah. I love playing that game in general. Wouldn't it be cool if and just do it all the time. I'm on the clocks on the same number. But when it's available, this is something that um, I found myself saying this on one of my calls last week. I'm like, your thoughts are evidence that it's working. If you have the thought that it, like someone could pay you for your masterclass while you're not working, you're in belief. Because that thought wouldn't even be available to you if you were doubting. Our thoughts can be evidence that things are working. Our thoughts can be our evidence that it's working. That's. I know when it came out of my mouth, I was like, this is true. <laughs> Write this down. Um, Cause like I had never articulated that way, but like, that's something that I live by. Right. When I have healthy empowered thoughts, I'm like, I'm in belief. Cause to me, evidence has always been like external. And that's an exhausting game to play. Yeah. Believing my evidence can actually be just that I thought it. Yeah. There had to be a speck of belief there for it or a speck of hope. 100% or you wouldn't have even had the thought. Um, In January, we're going to do Art of Deep Coaching again, which I'm really excited about. And I talk about, you know, the two spirals. Did you do Art of Deep Coaching last year? Yeah. Yeah. And like, I really think about all the time, like what thoughts are available depends on what, where you're feeling and what you're thinking, right? Like just like the sentence in your brain what is available because when I'm in a really low spot, I do not have the thoughts that like clients come out of nowhere. And like, I, you know, people are always reaching out to be about my work. Like those thoughts aren't even in my awareness. I'm like, it's all burning down that basically. 
Those, those are the thoughts that are available. So that is not the place to take action from. That is not the place to evaluate if my business is working or not, because it's just like a shadow on what I see. And so the work is like, how can I enjoy my life more? Like, how do I need to take care of myself? Do I need to nap? What's What do I need to eat? What do I need to do to make myself feel better? Because this is not the time to work on my business. When I'm there. Yeah. Hey, ladies, any other questions? This is a very good discussion. I'm really glad that both of you are on the call. Thank you. Anything else? Okay. Then you guys have the best week. Alvin, I'll see you on Wednesday. Have the best Thanksgiving though, and enjoy all your family activities. Enjoy not working and believing that it's working anyway. All the things. Okay. Bye.